Do you like free stuff? I do. BlueprintMCAT.com. Go sign up for a free account. Get access to Blueprint MCAT's Diagnostic, Blueprint MCAT's Full Length One, Blueprint MCAT's amazing brand new space repetition platform with over 1,600 flashcards already made for you, as well as their amazing study planner tool. Schedule out the content so you know if you are on track to take the MCAT when you need to. Again, that's blueprintmcat.com for all of those free goodies. The MCAT Podcast, session number 43. A collaboration between the medical school headquarters and Blueprint MCAT. The MCAT podcast is free MCAT prep to help you understand the MCAT, teach you how to break down questions, and give you the skills and confidence to get the score you want on your MCAT test day. Learn more about Blueprint MCAT at blueprintprep.com slash MCAT. Welcome to the MCAT podcast. I am glad you are here. If you are listening to this before June 4th, 2017, text book giveaway, that's all one word, book giveaway to 44222 for your chance to win one of 50 copies of my book, The Pre-Med Playbook, Guide to the Medical School Interview. Today we have a great episode all about psychology. All right, Brian, so we've covered a lot of sciences lately and we've been covering some other logistics for the MCAT the thing that I think a lot of students are worried about with this new MCAT, or as we're recording this, it's starting to get a little old now too, but the newer MCAT is the addition of psychology and how to best study for that and how to best answer these questions. So let's go and dive into some psychology questions today. Yeah, absolutely. So as always, when we're doing questions, you want to pull that handout down from the website. We'll read them out together here, but it'd be, uh, it'd be good if you could follow along with the handout. Um, unless you're driving, of course, unless you're driving, okay, so, yeah. right. Unless you're driving. All right. So you wanna, let's start with number 18 here. Uh, Ryan, you want to give us number 18? Sure. An object viewed in full sunlight can be seen to have several shades running from the light blue on the left side of the object through teal to light green on the right side of the object viewed in moonlight. The same object appears a uniform gray. This is due to. A, an increased activation of the optic nerve due to sympathetic upregulation, the decreased light sensitivity of cones relative to rods, the increased night vision image clarity created by the fovea, or D, the stereo-optic vision created by having two front-facing eyes. Okay, Ryan, so looks colored in the daytime and in dim moonlight looks all kind of like a gray blob. Yeah. What are you thinking? Oh, well, I know this one, but how is this psych? That's what I want to know. Well, we want to remember that perception and sensation are considered psychology, and the psych section of the MCAT does include 5% bio questions and another 5% that the AMC has specifically called out as psych questions, but they sound kind of like bio. You know, the AMC said it better than that, but, but really, it, we want to remember that even the psych section of the MCAT has almost 10% of its questions that are going to um, feel an awful lot like biology, especially around um, sensation. Interesting. I'm glad I asked then. Um, so I think this one is B, the decreased light sensitivity of cones relative to rods. 
Absolutely. You want to remember cones, the C for cones and C color. for color, yeah. right? Yep. And then rods for night vision. So at night, um, you everything looks kind of gray because you're looking with your rods. And then in full bright daylight, um, everything looks colored because of your cones. Um, so absolutely important thing to know. Um, answer choice A mentioned the sympathetic upregulation. We have no reason to think that this person is in fight or flight mode. Um, C said there was night vision created by the fovea. That's the exact opposite. The fovea is for your hyper detailed bright light vision, right? That, that most sensitive part of the eye, or, or I'm sorry, the most precise part of the eye that requires the most light. Mm-hmm. Um, and stereo optic vision is just a way to see in 3D by having your two eyes pointing forward. Yeah. All right. I got one right finally, Brian. Fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's take a look at 29. So we got a little story here. A young boy begs his parents to let him get a puppy. He wants to show his parents that he's grown up and can handle the responsibility of training the puppy. For several weeks after getting the puppy, the boy has great difficulty training the dog to urinate outside or to do basic tricks. When he becomes frustrated, the boy repeatedly calls the dog a dumb little baby and a bad boy who can't be trusted. Psychoanalytic theory would assert that the boy's yelling demonstrates projection and Oedipal issue repression or transference Mm -hmm. so ryan what are you thinking uh i think this is projection but i don't know yeah no absolutely projection right so the 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 boy is afraid of of being seen as immature right Mm -hmm. he wants to he wants to seem like a grown-up who can handle training his puppy and so he yells at the puppy that the puppy is a dumb little baby so he's projecting his insecurity onto the puppy Right. Yeah. Uh, the Oedipal complex is that classic kind of Freudian theory about the relationship, uh, but with uh, the mother in, in very early psychosexual development. Uh, repression is just choosing not to think about an unpleasant thought, uh, and transference is just when you take uh, feelings from one source and transfer it over to uh, another source. The the classic case where um, MCAT students should be aware of transference is um, in therapy where the patient will start to view the therapist kind of as the parent, right? Like as the patient works through whatever Freudian issues they have related to their parent, they start to see their doctor that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that that's a, tr- a transference of those feelings. So I'm assuming that when students miss this one, they're usually picking transference. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And you, you have to be clear on the difference between those two for sure. Okay. I'm two for two. Excellent. All right. You want to give us 30? Sure. A group of six likely voters are gathered in a conference room. All six people have voted for conservative political candidates in the past. They are asked to discuss three possible candidates. Candidate A, who is a liberal. Candidate B, who is a middle-of-the-road conservative. And candidate C, who is very who, who is very strongly conservative. At the end of the discussion, the six voters are asked to cast a ballot for their choice. Which candidate would likely receive the most votes? A, an even split with no plurality. B, candidate A. C, candidate B. Or D, candidate C. So, yeah. if all six voters have voted for conservative political candidates in the past, mm-hmm. I know that from psychology and, and and this is from reading business books actually that once you make one choice you're likely to continue to make that next choice the same because you want to be viewed as having the same like maintaining the the same thought so i'm going to say they're going to all pick the the strong conservative 
with uh, answer choice D here. Okay, excellent, Ryan. So uh, that uh, they will choose the strong conservative, which was answer choice D. And, and I like the way you said that because that brings us uh, up on a point we get to talk about, which is there are times where you can get the right answer and and feel really good about the right answer and get it right for like seventy five percent of the right reason. But you still should be reviewing every question you ever do because even on questions that you get right and that you thought were easy, there could still be a good a good learning in there, you know, a good takeaway point. And so, Ryan, the takeaway point here for us, even though we got it right, is we have to remember the phrase group polarization. So it's not – you had suggested it was about consistency, like a kind of self-consistency. Mm-hmm. Um, and that actually explains um, – Oh, I guess that explains foot in the door phenomenon and yep. explains a whole series of phenomena. But specifically, this group of six conservative voters, if you put them all in a room together and ask them to discuss possible candidates, the group will end up becoming even more polarized. Mm. So even if this was a group full of mostly middle of the road conservatives, by the end of their group discussion, they're going to all talk themselves into wanting the really extreme conservative candidate. And, and it, I mean, it's a political context, but this goes for anything. You put a group of people together and they will talk themselves into a more polarized position. Yeah. And we're kind of in that that day and age now where we call them these uh, these silos online where we, the echo chambers, as they're called. So. Right. Yeah. P- people don't even have to have that. It's not like everybody was watching Cronkite anymore. Right. Mm-hmm. That sociologically, everybody's just kind of polarizing within themselves. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I like your point of of using that information that how I came to the answer may not be the right way to get to the answer. And so your, your point about go as, as you review the MCATs, review the questions you got wrong and the questions you got right and find out why they're right. And maybe you got the right answer because you just got lucky. Absolutely. It's that classic, uh, the, the conundrum especially comes up with the, I got it down to two phenomenon where people always think I got it down to two and I always get it wrong. It's like, yeah, cause you didn't review the ones you got right. right? If you reviewed the ones you got right, you would see a bunch of times where you got it down to two and got it right. So <laughs> yeah. you, you got to review every single question. So I think the biggest takeaway is that I would crush the psych section of the MCAT. Absolutely. Well, we do have one more. So you're three for three. Let's uh, <sighs> let's go on to yeah. Then we got this is a two, a two pager. So All let's right. go to question fifty six. I'll, I'll read this one. All right. Steve is instructed by his boss to forge a document. Steve knows that this is against company policy and possibly against the law, but he's afraid he may lose his job if he doesn't comply. Under Kohlberg's stages of moral development, what stage is Steve in if he decides to forge the document? <laughs> pre-operational, pre-conventional. Post-conventional, concrete operational. Yeah. All right, Ryan. I have no we, clue. We're going to break your streak here? You're going to break my streak, but I'll take oh, 75% no. any day. Yeah. Okay. Well, you got to guess, right? I mean, the MCAT does right. reward luck as much as anything else. All right. So, so, so I'm going to go with the tried and true. If you don't know, pick C. There Post-conventional. You go. Well, it, it would be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So bat- batting 750 is still pretty good. Um. So the Col- Kohlberg stages of moral reasoning are are definitely important for the MCAT. Got to know them. Uh, the first thing that the student would want to do is eliminate pre-operational and concrete operational because that actually refers um, – that doesn't refer to moral development. That refers to Piaget's stages of cognitive development. So little children, infants – um, you know, our, our pre-operational school children, you know, from, from about the five to um, 
12 roughly are, are concrete operational and so on. Um, so Kohlberg is pre-conventional, conventional, and post-conventional. So it's definitely B or C. And Steve is behaving with his morality being determined by fear of punishment. And this is something that generally guides children. So that would be pre-conventional. Um, with Kohlberg's moral reasoning, broadly speaking, the pre-conventional stages are the way that children reason about what they should do in moral situations. You know, um, don't get caught, don't, don't be punished. Um, the conventional stages of moral reasoning are, um, just kind of getting along with other people. So, you know, what does a good little girl do? What does a good boy do? Or you have to obey the law. It doesn't matter if the law, what the law says, you just obey it. And that's conventional moral reasoning. Um, and then adults, especially, um, more highly educated adults will eventually develop into what's called post-conventional moral reasoning, where they follow universal moral principles, um, rather than following the law just because it's the law. All right. Sounds useful. And now, I should, now I'll know it. Yeah, and, and, and you'll get a phenomenal score on the psych section on the MCAT. Awesome. All right, I hope that was helpful for you, learning about psychology, breaking down those discrete questions, understanding that biology is considered psychology, uh, especially with the sensation and the other stuff that Brian talked about and why that's included in psychology. Kind of fooled me that first question, but I got it right anyway. I hope you did too, and I hope you join us next week here at the MCAT Podcast. But before you go, don't forget to check out what Next Step Test Prep is doing in the test prep world. Did you know they have a course with over 100 hours of videos, access to all 10 of their full lengths, access to all of the AAMC testing material, access to five office hours, five live office hours every week, all for a price significantly less than what Kaplan and Princeton Review offer their courses for. Go check out nextstepmcat.com. Use the promo code MCATPOD. That's all one word, M-C-A-T-P-O-D, all capital letters, to save some money on their MCAT course. Have a great week. We'll see you next time here at the MCAT Podcast.